Hello, everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I will be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hello. In this week's episode, we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 11, Back from Vacation. In this episode, it is Inventory Day in the office. Michael has returned from Jamaica, and relationships take shape. In this cold open, we see Jim kind of taking over for Michael in running a meeting, getting actual work done, it appears. They're going over sales calls and and inventory focuses and things like that in the meeting. Yeah, it looks like a meeting of the sales staff. And as Jim is going along, Dwight pulls out a tape recorder. He says that Michael has tasked him with recording every meeting and typing up the transcripts while Michael is on vacation. Which is funny because, like, Michael was going to look at those. Yeah. There's no way. Michael Michael didn't read a memo that said he had to fire somebody by the end of the day. Like, right. he's not going to read the transcripts of meetings that he probably wouldn't be paying attention in if he was there in the first place. Yeah, this is probably something that Dwight suggested, and Michael's like, whatever, if you want, and Dwight definitely wants to, and so he does. Which is the perfect opportunity for Jim to pull a prank. So Jim is running through the meeting, just business as usual, and then all of a sudden says, Dwight, what are you doing? You can't take your pants off in here. (laughs) Which sort of then prompts a nice sort of improv riffing of everyone except for stanley and ryan they don't participate in this ryan at least is amused by it stanley is just there like he normally is so jim is saying that dwight has taken off his pants he's making everyone uncomfortable now he's holding a plastic knife to stanley's neck all the while dwight is saying jim is a liar this is not happening That's when Karen points out that Dwight has taken off his shirt, apparently, and has a Muppet Baby tattoo on his stomach. Uh, Jim says, yeah, it's a tattoo of Animal from Muppet Baby. Phyllis even jumps in at one point. Yeah, she says that Jim Carrey just walked in and that Dwight should get his autograph, which I don't know if that's for, like, Michael's benefit, in case he's actually reading this. Because uh, he would find that amusing. And all it takes to kind of end this riff off is Andy taking things a little too far. And he doesn't really get what is going on here. <laughs> Everything up until this point has been just making fun of Dwight and Dwight doing things or things happening like in the orbit. Yeah. Just kind of fun things. And then Andy says that he is chopping Phyllis's head off with a chainsaw. <laughs> Everyone was like, uh, that it just ends when that one person takes it just a little too far, and you're like, oh, you just ruined this game. And now we have to wonder about you, like, as a person. 
and your health and your overall mental sanity and it's just over yeah so when we get into the episode the first thing we see is michael returning from vacation yeah and as soon as he walks in pam hands him the messages and of course michael was hoping for this huge reception and everyone was just going to be crowded around waiting with bated breath for him to walk in the door that's not the case people are just going about their days i will say this was a little over the top though because pam literally just says like just plain-faced boring as ever oh hey michael here's all your messages and you know basically not like as if this was Tuesday, yeah, and she had just seen him the day before. Most people that, if you're like friendly with them in the office, they would at least be like, "How was your vacation?" Yeah, yeah. And but Michael, like you said, is waiting for this thing, this recognition, and he does it. He really sets it off in just the most ridiculous way ever. And you can't stop. It's It plays out through the entire episode, and you really can't stop looking at it. <laughs> and it doesn't stop being funny. And it is the fact that Michael has put three beads in his hair, as as people do when they go to, you know, Mexico or Jamaica yeah, or wherever. Yeah, locations. Right. And it is just the re- most ridiculous thing ever. And so he just... Has like he's shaking it as much as he can shake a strand of three beads attached to what is probably maybe an inch and a half long yeah. of hair. This is not, uh, isn't that, isn't the movie that I'm thinking of? Daryl Hannah has a, like a whole head full sure. yeah. of beaded yeah. hair. Yeah, this is not bad. We do learn from Pam. That while Michael was away, Hannah has decided to quit. And it's sort of alluded to that Hannah is considering suing the company or at least going through like the EEOC um, about discrimination for being a working mom. That is never brought up again, ever. Yeah, that is a weird exit that like with Martin and tony like there was a hey i can't work here anymore because you're an idiot i'm out but with and with hannah there was clear issues and then they just decide to be like all right she's not here anymore and it's obvious that she was never meant to be a long-term character by any means it was just a very weird sort of write-off michael is having none of this though he doesn't care about the work, obviously, as usual. <laughs> Ever. I mean, it doesn't take Michael coming back from a vacation for him to not care about work. But he just wants to talk about his time in Jamaica. And he's really going over the top with, like, get being in, as he called, island life. Yeah, he just is trying to impart all these lessons like these Jamaican lessons and we just need to slow down and Pam sort of points out like 
it's an impoverished country. And that is true of a lot of the Caribbean nations that are so dependent on tourism. You really are not seeing the country for what the country is. Because he tells Pam it's his first time going out of the country. He just knows so much about Jamaica. What he really knows is he knows about Sandals Resort. Right. That is not remotely the same as anywhere off the resort, let's say. One of the souvenirs that Michael brought back with him to sort of impart this island life into his everyday, you know, everyday being is a steel drum. And he only knows how to play three notes from hot, hot, hot. He doesn't know how to play three notes. He knows how to play one note <laughs> over and over again. That is fair. It is. A, I have to tell a quick story here. Um... So Curtis and I attended a holiday gala um, this past holiday season, and it's just a festival of Christmas trees, and they're typically decorated around a theme. And the theme of this past year's event was seashells and jingle bells. Yeah, seashells and jingle bells, something to that effect. And it was a lovely event, but it was hilarious because the entertainment for the night was a man with a steel drum, and he was very good at it. But the entire time we were at the event, and there's one at one point we were sitting at a table, like listening to the music, I kept thinking of this scene of The Office because he did play Hot, Hot, Hot at one point, and he had a fake fire uh, in front of his steel drum setup, like as if we were on a beach or something. Right. It was essentially a, it looked like a campfire, but it was like there's a fan underneath and it's a tissue and then there's like orange light uplighting. And so it's just flapping around. It looks like a fire. Yeah. And like I said, he was very good, but he was so and, into it. And very into it, yes, <laughs> yes. Moving around a lot and... It's just... And it was probably 30 degrees and it was freezing in the building. Um, so it was just a weird juxtaposition. I'm not one for like beach-themed Christmas personally. Um, and so it was just a, just an odd sort of mix of everything also set off by the fact by this was like a balding middle-aged white guy too that's why he kept making me think of michael a little bit where he's like he just really got into the steel drum at some point and again i'm not sure how the committee that put on this event found him but what a find so michael's playing a steel drum he is really into letting everyone know how great his vacation was and it turns out that the office did not go ahead and do inventory without the manager which makes sense so he decides they will have an inventory luau and this of course puts stress on Angela as the head of the party planning committee because Michael wants a legit luau yeah and he thinks that it's super easy to get a suckling pig and poi and grass skirts and all of this stuff. In winter in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Right. And so Angela is rushing around to try and find 
all of these things to make Michael's luau authentic. Later in the day, Michael is showing off pictures from his Jamaican vacation. And he's doing this to instill kind of that island life mentality in the office. Just the no cares, easygoing, it's fun to be here kind of vibe. And he says that this is most encapsulated by the sign that was on the beach that said, no shirt, no shoes, no problems. Which was such a big thing in the mid-2000s. It was a really, this is just my personal opinion, awful country song for a little bit. Um, As they all are. (laughs) We're not shading you if you like country music. It's just not our thing. I am. Okay. I'm not then. And it was like on signs and shirts, and it was just this sort of attitude that people were trying to adopt in their lives, which sometimes you just need a mantra. Like, I'm not denying that. Um, It just really overtook pop culture in like the mid-2000s. And Michael really doesn't need to show this picture of his vacation in order to convey this message. He can just say it. But he's got to, Michael has to be over the top with everything he does. And as they're looking at the picture, because he rolls in the TV, the screen, the whatever to show it off. Pam's like, hey, isn't that Jan? So the way the picture is set up, Michael's at the bar and he's always wearing a sandals shirt, by the way, in all of his pictures. And then there's two women standing over to the side of the photo, and one of them appears to be Jan. Michael tries to play this off by saying, no, it's, it's just some German tourist, and says some ridiculous name. And he seems to have convinced everyone that... It is not Jan. Immediately after this, we do get a one-on-one with the camera, and Michael tells us, yes, it in fact is Jan. He saw her that night and then in the morning, and he can't say anything more than that, essentially because Jan told him, you can't tell anyone this. Right. And we know Michael's history with people telling him he can't tell people things. He immediately then tells everyone those things. Especially because it's such a big deal to him and he has to brag about it. Right. So he says that he and Jan, in fact, had sex. And right after that, he is seen on the phone with Todd Packer. And he pretty much tells Todd, yeah, Jan was there. And Todd doesn't believe him. Right. And... At this time, Michael is looking at a photo on his computer desktop, and it is of Jan sunbathing, and she is laying face down, but she is clearly not wearing a top. Yes. And Michael is just kind of posing over her, like, arms wide, and just grinning cheek to cheek. It looks like a weird fishing photo. Yeah, (laughs) that's a a good way to describe it. (laughs) Like when you're showing off the fish that you caught. Right. And Michael's like, I'm looking at a picture right now that says otherwise, and Maxim Magazine would love to have this picture. And Packer still doesn't believe him. 
So Michael's like, you know what? I'll prove it to you. And he sends him the picture in an email. And Packer's like, no, I didn't get it. And Michael is like, here, I, I sent it to Packer at DunderMifflin.com. And he realized he didn't send it to Packer at DunderMifflin.com. He sent it to Packaging at DunderMifflin.com. Which is a narrative convenience because no shipping or warehouse department is ever called packaging. I feel like it should probably be shipping. Sure. But, you know, whatever. That's splitting hairs. And Michael immediately realizes what he has done. And Todd tells him that he's received it from another person. So it's already being forwarded. Michael races down to the warehouse. And this is such a good scene. Craig (laughs) Robinson just plays this so well. He's eating like a plate of food. He's got chicken wings and like a A sandwich sandwich, of some type. He's kind of just munching on it. And Michael says, uh, did you get an email? And Daryl's like, yep, I did. And he has the picture open on his screen. (laughs) And Michael says, well, did you get the other email telling you that was a mistake and you should delete the first email? And Daryl just says, nope, Mike, I'm a really busy guy, as he's just eating the chicken. But Michael also asks, right after he asked if he got that email, the first email, and he goes, did you forward that to anybody and Daryl's like yep I did <laughs> so like Daryl doesn't care Daryl does not care no he does most people in this situation knowing that that email was sent by mistake <laughs> would be like no I, I don't know what you're talking about I, I didn't send that to anybody Daryl fully admits yep I got that email yep I forwarded it to people and yes I definitely ignored the second email that you sent So now Michael is in a bind. Jan has clearly given him instructions that they are not dating. This was just a thing. They happened to be at the same place, even though she accepted his invitation. Toby has a discussion with Michael about sort of like, quote unquote, registering their relationship with HR And Michael tells him, no, Jan was clear we're not dating. So it's sort of this gray area um, of what this relationship is and how it needs to be addressed within the company. And Michael, of course, is focusing in this moment on the only thing that he really cares about. And that's the fact that he and Jan had sex. And so Michael thinks that Toby just wants to know about those details of it when toby is really just like no i'm trying to protect you Mm -hmm. you need to disclose this to hr and then everything's fine yeah it's not a big deal then you can go forward and date as you want to michael also enlists the help of dwight to do something michael as we saw during the like the email surveillance episode doesn't really have a grasp on technology like or the internet so after he has sent this email out that's it It, it's out there and there's not much he can do about it nor can dwight do anything about it other than just kind of 
take out the physical evidence because there's a lot of physical evidence of this picture. Yeah. Apparently copies have been printed and put in all the bathrooms. Toby said he received the the email forward nine separate times, including from his ex-wife who doesn't even work at the company. And the warehouse has decided to print a large poster of this photo and has just tacked it to the walls. Meanwhile, Jan has been calling Michael, uh, seemingly because I'm sure the photo has made its way to her and probably around corporate. Michael is avoiding her calls and in sort of a desperate attempt of just trying to reclaim his vacation, decides to stand outside in the cold and the snow and play his steel drum. Pam pops out and said, hey, Jan is actually just going to stop by now. So the episode sort of culminates in the inventory luau, which the party planning committee has done a decent job at getting this together. They don't have a suckling pig or poi, but they have spam. Uh, They do have grass skirts made out of construction paper, and I think they have some tiki torches. So not too bad for like six hours notice. Somehow... I don't understand. You would think that the warehouse would conduct this inventory, but everyone's kind of just randomly out and about counting boxes, it seems like. And Michael is just really, really nervous for this conversation with Jan. And she comes straight to the warehouse, kind of walks down, and she's still playing off this facade that she was in Scottsdale visiting her sister, and that's why she's so tan. Even though people are at that moment, I believe, taking down that large poster of the photo of Jan and Michael. Jan says to Michael that she needs to have a word with him in his office. So they go up to his office. Michael does, I just want to interject, Michael does this slow death march sort of thing towards his office. And once he gets to the landing of of the warehouse stairs, he sort of just turns around and kind of gives one last look to right. to everyone like taking it all in yeah steve carell plays this really really well that dread of like oh my god she's gonna yell at me yeah he is expecting the hammer here and rightfully so because not only has he blabbed about his relationship with jan after she said do not do that and not for the first time right <laughs> but he has widely circulated a rather private photo of her yeah so michael is just sitting there waiting for the the big punch to happen and to his surprise it never really comes jan gets to talking about how her psychiatrist thinks that she has bad impulses And that sometimes she should indulge in these things. Yeah, self-destructive tendencies. And she says she's had a tough year. She's gone through a divorce. She's had an identity theft. She had a husband that didn't want to communicate. So she's just going through a really hard time. And Michael doesn't really get where this is going. Because like I said, he is waiting for that moment where she snaps and yells at him because of everything he has done. But Jan says that 
she is going to take her psychiatrist's advice and she has no reason to really like Michael, but for some reason she just does. And so she is willing to give this thing with Michael, whatever it is, a shot. Yeah, she says she wants to be with him. She's attracted to him. And they're going to give it a go. And Michael is dumbfounded here. His only response is something along the lines of me as well to you. He's like, whatever you said, fine. And Jan gets up to leave. And then she sort of like aggressively kisses him and says that he needs to get away and meet her at his condo. And Michael, being Michael, can't quite leave well enough alone. He can't stop while he's ahead. Because as Jan is leaving the office, he stops her and says, You complete me while doing... He points at her, he does a circle, and then points at himself. I think it's a circle. Complete, that's like a circle. Sure. It It could be a heart. It could be either way. And Jan's just like dumbfounded. She doesn't know what to say and she just walks away and goes, oh God. (laughs) Because Michael is sort of a hopeless romantic here and he thinks that Jan's speech is more along the lines of like, oh goodness, we're just so in love. Like you are the best thing for me rather than uh, this should not work. It won't work probably, but I am just going to see what happens. Right. Michael and Jan's relationship is not the only one developing in this episode. We also see some developments in the relationship between Jim and Karen and, by extension, Pam. We see Jim and Karen in the break area at one point in the episode, and there's clearly some tension. And Jim asks Karen if she wants to talk about it. And Karen's just like, nope. And she gets her coffee, and she leaves. We learn that Karen is staying in a hotel, and she has been for the entire time that they have gone from Stanford to Scranton. Yeah, so I guess about a month, so... I would think even more than that, honestly, but... Yeah, maybe we're going on like six, eight weeks here. Yeah, and so Karen says that she has been apartment hunting, And she found one that just so happens to be maybe a block away from where Jim's apartment is. Mm -hmm. And Jim says that he didn't think it'd be a very good idea for her to get that apartment because it'd almost be like them living together. And Karen is just super miffed by this, understandably, because she says in separate houses, two blocks away. And so her argument is not even remotely close. Now, that is pretty nearby. I'll give that to Jim. But it's Scranton. I don't know how big of a place it is. Yeah, I have to imagine that Scranton is probably about the size of a city like that we live in. Mm-hmm. And so pretty much everything is like 10, pretty close. 10, 10 to 15 minutes away. Minutes away. So... It doesn't matter where Karen lives. She's going to be relatively close to where Jim lives. Right. 
Pam can sort of sense some tension in Jim. And Jim is upset that he's upset Karen. So in the other break area with the vending machines, Pam asks Jim, hey, are you okay? And he sort of just is like, yep, fine. And so she presses and just says, are you sure? And he finally admits that he and Karen are in a dumb fight. And Pam asks, do you want to talk about it? Jim does take her up on it. And Pam is sort of like, hmm. She calls Jim out for being silly. Essentially, all she says is, I think you should go easy on her. But this conversation between Jim and Pam, it sort of breaks the barrier that had been between them ever since Jim came back from Stanford. So then they're like, oh my God, Michael and Jan went to Jamaica together. So they're able to sort of have this conversation that's not layered over with so much tension between them. Because even when Pam asks, do you want to talk about it? Jim sort of has taken it back. Like, are you sure? Because he knows that when he told Pam, like, hey, I'm dating someone, that didn't go well. Like, Pam was not happy with that. And he can see that she's sort of been colder to Karen, although that sort of thawed with the Christmas party. So she is trying to make an effort here. Side note, about how ridiculous Jim is being, where do you think Jim and Karen are in their dating relationship? Because they are very clearly past the, let's let's figure this out. Like let's let's go on a couple dates. Let's get to know each other type thing. Granted, that problem that entire situation is a little bit different from the normal dating situation, considering the fact they work together and they have for probably at this point six to eight months, maybe. Well, when Karen was describing this issue to the camera. She said that they've been dating for a month. Yeah, but in terms of like when Jim went to Stanford to now, oh. they've known each other for probably six to eight months. Oh, okay. So, but but I'm saying that their situation is a little bit different than the normal dating situation because they have probably gotten the common topics out of the way just at work. The where are you from? you know, what's your, what do you like to do? Things like that. Those things have been, those things did not get found out on their first date at dinner. Sure. That's true. So do you think they are at the point to where they are seeing each other every night anyway? No, I don't think, I don't think Jim is up for that type of relationship. And I think he worries that her being a couple blocks away would then turn into that. Because they are clearly past the, and again, this is putting it in the scope of a normal quote unquote dating situation where it's a, hey, let's get together on Saturday night. Hey, do you want to go to dinner on Wednesday night where things are set in the future because... At the end of the integration celebration, we see Jim in his car on the phone with Karen. And she's like, hey, I need I need a drink. Do you want to meet me at this place mm-hmm. at whenever? And Jim's yeah. like, yeah, cool. I can do that. Yeah, they may be past sort of like actual set 
dates, perhaps. And they're clearly dating. You know, they clearly acknowledge each other as, like, significant other, boyfriend-girlfriend sort of thing. Um, I just don't think Jim... Jim's still keeping it at arm's length a little bit. Sure. So it's kind of shocking to me that Jim, no matter how often they see each other, isn't like, okay, yeah, that'd be cool if you got your own apartment because then I don't have to go to a hotel to see you or you don't have to come over to my place all the time. Like, I mean, I don't think he cares that she gets an apartment. It's He doesn't want it so close to his. Sure. It is ridiculous still, though. It is. Yeah. I mean, there's also, I guess, maybe the fear that if they break up, he'll see her. But they work together. He's already going to see her. That's a really good point. What difference is two blocks away making from every day a, you know, straight ahead look? Yes. Jim needs to grow up, I think, is is the place we have gotten in this episode, is that Jim needs to grow up. Well, at the luau, at the inventory luau, Karen's still sort of avoiding him. But he walks up to her, and I'm going to assume it was an application for the apartment. Yeah, like the lease agreement or whatever. He says, hey, I think you dropped this. Hands her a piece of paper, and she says, are you sure? And he says, yeah. Now, the camera cuts away, but we have to assume that he said that he had a conversation with Pam, and Pam told him he was being silly. Because Karen walks up to Pam and says, hey, I need to thank you. And Pam sort of is like, oh, for what? And Karen's response is for talking sense and to help her. So Pam's like, oh, yeah, no problem. Karen is just sort of a poor, innocent bystander of all this. Um, But the realization that she has sort of aided Jim and Karen's relationship and made it stronger or advanced it crushes Pam. Yeah, right after her conversation, she has this very forlorn look on her face. And then later in the episode, we see her off in a different part of the office building in general. Yeah, I think it's like the lobby area. Yeah, kind of in just a hallway type area. And she is, she's crying. She, she just can't hold it in anymore and we see Dwight come along and Dwight doesn't really know what to do <laughs> he feels bad for for Pam you can tell yeah he he does want to be some source of comfort uh to her and Pam thinks that he's trying to be annoying and du- she tells Dwight you don't have to stay here and Dwight's like yeah I know Like, just a, hey, I'm trying to be here for you. And he sits down next to her. He puts his arm around her. And it's a very, very nice moment Mm -hmm. (laughs) that gets ruined immediately because Dwight asks, so I guess you're PMSing pretty bad right now. And it's just unfortunate because also his first instinct was to say, who did this to you? And sort of like look around for someone to fight, I guess, which is a sweet impulse and a little bit and it just this plants the seed that pays off in the real long run because in the end Pam and Dwight are pretty good friends and so we're really just still seeing this dance with Pam and Jim 
with just poor Karen along for the ride that has no idea uh, what's happening. But that will, that illusion will be burst uh, in the coming episodes here. So besides Kevin taking home some artwork for his apartment, which is the huge poster that was hanging up in the warehouse, that is pretty much where the episode ends. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about this episode. What's interesting about this episode is the ordering of how it appears on Netflix versus how it actually aired. So we had talked about this in the last episode, but it it appears that a Benihana Christmas actually aired in two parts. And that makes sense for the runtime. So this episode is actually episode 12 of the series because as it ran I think the back half of a Benihana Christmas was just a completely separate episode which is really interesting the Wikipedia page for this episode says that this was the last appearance of Luann a background character which we have not seen a female background character since the beginning or near the middle, I believe, of season two. So I'm not sure where Luanne was at unless it was just someone in the warehouse or something. Um, But at least for the members of the upstairs office, I don't recall a Luanne. No. Maybe she was in scenes that got cut or something like that. But yeah, I don't know. And that's really it for the annex. It's been a bit thin lately, unfortunately. Real quick, can we talk about how Andy, or probably more specifically Ed Helms, is a really good musician at just obscure instruments? Yeah, yeah, because he, that's right, he was playing the steel drum and was really good at it, and I actually just listened to the Armchair Expert podcast episode with Ed Helms on it, and he talked about why he chose the banjo, which we saw Andy playing the banjo a couple episodes ago. And he actually had to sort of pick it up for a high school musical that he was in and just stuck with it. And it's actually a pretty tough instrument to learn. But he did say that when you play the banjo, no one is excited to like jam out with you because it's such an overpowering sound and it doesn't really blend with others. Yeah, you can't mute that at all, really. Ed Helms had really great things to say about Steve Carell on the set of the office he said that steve was never late he was always professional he always knew his lines he never complained and he sort of set the tone not only was he the boss on the show but as the star really tried to set the tone for everyone else and was a really great mentor he said um and i think that really shows in all the seasons but you can tell it's a pretty collegial um workplace if you think about it even the set is a workplace yeah so as for a firing this episode we do get one and it is michael who of course needs to get fired for sending out a somewhat provocative photo as he puts it pg-13 photo (laughs) of jan to what turns out to probably be the entire company yeah. This is Michael's fifth firing this season and his 18th overall. Antoinette, do you have a Dundee to give out for this episode? 
Uh, yes, the Dundee for the worst vacation fad is hair beating. And it seems like this is kind of gone on the wayside. Um, maybe because there's a touch of cultural appropriation to it. Sure. Um, but it probably, it also just was one of the things that if you even went to Florida in the late 90s, early 2000s, just anywhere along the beach, there was just someone sitting there with a sign saying like hair beating for $5 or something. Um, and it really did go out of fashion. But I also remember I had those Got Milk posters and I had one with um, the Williams sisters and in that they had their hair beaded. Like it was also a fashion trend, not just this cultural appropriation, go on vacation in a tropical place sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so it was def- definitely a fashion trend and I think the fashion trend of it has also gone away. Sure. But I distinctly recall you know, coming back in elementary school, we all came back from spring break or something like that or or some sort of vacation break. And someone always had, whether it was full or just a couple strands of beading in their hair. Yeah. What is your Dundee? My Dundee is the worst advice. And that goes to Dr. Perry, who is Jan's psychiatrist. And I don't know what psychiatrist is going to be like, hey, I know you have these self-destructive things go ahead and do those things yeah just give in to him yeah that is pretty terrible advice but also most specifically because her advice leads to jan dating michael which is just a terrible idea anyway and my and jan knows this not just because of how different her and michael are like they don't really have anything in common other than the fact that they work at the same place yeah and there's some sort of like baseline physical attraction sure and i think even that is a stretch but like michael there are moments all the time where michael shows her this is a bad idea and we see that in this episode when he does the you complete me thing and jan's just like oh god damn it (laughs) Yeah, I I really feel bad for Jan as a character. When she's giving her speech to Michael, she just says she's searching for happiness. And you can tell that is true and that she has had a rough year with ha- going through a divorce, an identity theft. Like any one of those things is enough, let alone sort of compounded. And she's just trying to find something and I think, you know, I know it's a comedy and everything, but the, the track that they put Jan on and they put her in this box as like nuts as this season goes on and definitely in any other season she appears on sort of is an injustice to her because if you think back to um, like the Boys and Girls episode from season two, mm-hmm. she was just kind of just being a a strong competent executive at a paper company right like she knew what she was doing and then her character sort of devolved and i think this is a bit of the turning point for that and in the commentaries the writers are like yeah jan's nuts but it's like why does jane have to be nuts she can just be unhappy sure so that's only my thing but yeah you're right that is terrible advice and that is not helping her to find happiness, I would think. Yeah. 
Who is your employee of the month? This was a tough one uh, for me. I guess I'll pick just the party planning committee as a whole because they were able to put together a pretty decent luau uh, despite having spam there, but they did a decent job. What about you? My employee of the month is Daryl. <laughs> Partially because of the Craig Robinson aspect of it because the one scene that he is in the extended scene is really really good and he just plays it so well and he plays that character so well he just like he doesn't respect Michael at all <laughs> and he just like yeah I did send that picture out but also he in the course of the inventory he finds a, like a an iHome thing an iPod player so which how did he lose that right anywhere? so hey good for him he found his iHome so that pretty much does it for this week's episode please follow us on Twitter at downsizing pod to get all the latest updates and keep listening to us on Spotify Google podcasts Apple podcasts Wherever you are listening to your podcasts, please rate, subscribe, comment to help get our name out there. We hope you are all staying safe during this continued pandemic. And we appreciate you spending your time listening to us. We will see you next week. Bye. Yeah, take care of yourselves. Bye.